Welcome to the Healthcare Weekly Podcast, where you can learn about the innovative ideas and technologies reshaping the healthcare industry. Join over 150,000 monthly readers and listeners all over the world. Each week, we sit down with some of the most brilliant minds in healthcare to learn what the future holds. The Healthcare Weekly Podcast, healthcare innovation starts here. Welcome to the Healthcare Weekly Podcast. I'm Kojan Arsene, CEO at Digital Authority Partners and Healthcare Weekly. Digital Authority Partners helps healthcare enterprises prepare for and embrace digital transformation in the 21st century. I have the pleasure of talking to Robert Chu today. He is the CEO at Emblema, a blockchain-based healthcare startup, which is on a mission to democratize health data. Uh, Robert, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Kodrin. Pleasure to be here. Robert, can you tell me a little bit more about uh, Emblema? I know what it does, but I want to make sure that everybody listening to this podcast or reading the article that's going to come next based on our interview uh, really understands what is Emblema at its core. Sure. Yes, Emblema, um, we want to provide uh, a better means for patients to uh, share their healthcare data and uh, specifically to uh, accelerate clinical research. As you know, clinical research needs a lot of data, more data types than before, not just clinical trials, but uh, EMR data, connected devices, uh, genomics, obviously, for target therapies. And uh, for successful in making sure the patient uh, shares all the data faster, you know, with life sciences, for example, then we believe that it could uh, result in accelerating the availability of new treatments to patients. And I think this is very important for public health and for the patients themselves. I think you you touched on on kind of two components, and I definitely want to dwell more into details about each of them. So one is the clinical trial part of the equation. And as we both know, clinical trials, they're they're really messy, right? There's so much manual work that goes into it. Uh, Many argue that uh, there's so many errors that come out of the inefficient ways of of managing patient data, uh, collecting it. And like, we've probably all seen uh, some of the documentaries about uh, clinical trials and, uh, you know, more, more recently, the Netflix special, uh, where it's basically showing, you know, like this is how data is collected, you know, it's just manually entered. Some of these writers, they may, you know, misinterpret really what the patient is saying. So can you talk a little bit more about how you think Emblema fits in into this ecosystem in a way that could improve ultimately the outcomes of clinical trials? Sure. Yes, I think, uh, you know, clinical trial, I mean, you're absolutely right. This is a process that really was invented, you know, in the 18th century, you know, very sequentially. You test the safety and then you test, you know, the uh, the efficiency and you take uh, patients and it's a very manual process. Uh, you bring them in front, you know, of, of, of doctors, they take your new drugs and then you try to measure, you know, the outcomes. Um, and it's a very, very uh, cumbersome, slow and at the end of the day, it's so controlled in terms of the, what they call the protocol um, that pretty much you have only a very, very narrow dimension of what the drug really does. It doesn't tell you, uh, you know, what is the influence of actual medical practice. It doesn't tell you uh, in terms of the influence on the environment of the patient, right? Uh, maybe the patient is better because uh, right, right. he's in love, you know, as opposed to taking a new drug. Uh, and therefore, you know, uh, and FDA actually recognizes really well with the Commissioner Scott Gottlieb, the data you have out there in real life 
real world evidence. So your prescriptions, your electronic medical records, your uh, you know own impressions, patient report outcomes, is actually becoming more and more important and should match in importance, right? Uh, in terms of evaluating the effect of the drug, is important than the clinical trials itself. And I think uh, what we're doing here is to make sure that this new set of data that you have, real-world evidence, which is going to outnumber in terms of complexity, outpace in terms of quantity, you know, the clinical trial um, data, we want to provide a system where, number one, patient is in control, right, in terms of sharing this because they can support for privacy and also compensation, and number two, you know, standardize this in a way so that the exchange and availability of this role of evidence will be much faster than what we have today in clinical trials, which typically takes years. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for that answer. Um, the f- first question, like, I think we're, we're you know, of course, we're, we're talking about holistically how Emblema fits into the clinical trial. Uh, can you walk me very, like, specifically step-by-step what your solution does? Like, you know, if I don't know anything about Emblema, but I know a lot about clinical trials, I, I want to sure. know very specifically, like, this is specifically where Emblema fits into the, my ecosystem of running a clinical trial. Sure. So so imagine you're a patient in, um, in, uh, in a clinical trial. So you go through the protocol and, you know, uh, at the end of the day, uh, the sponsor or the CRO who's running the clinical trial is going to produce a set of medical records for you. It's called SDTM format and all this you know, um, is all good. Now, what we're aiming is that we want to collect all the data that's outside of the clinical trial. So, for example, you as a patient, you will have medical records in the uh, care centers you went or you're still going, you know, between two, um, two uh, you know, encounters in your, in your clinical trial protocol. Okay, so how do we get this done? Well, in that case, you know, you would log in your patient portal and your care centers and with your consent, would, uh, you know, upload through FHIR, right, to your medical records, again, outside your clinical trials. We would ask you questions in terms of, okay, how are you feeling today? Are you observant? You're taking your treatments, you know, again, outside the clinical trial. So we would have patient-reported outcomes apps that would upload this data into our system. And then, frankly, any other, um, you know, uh, data types that you would have that could be of interest, you know, for the regulator in life sciences. So if you, for example, had cancer, which I hope, uh, you know, nobody of us uh, will have, well, you know, we should retrieve your tumor data. You know, we should retrieve uh, your genomics, probably. You had the genomic sampling, you know, for drug therapies. And all these data, frankly, you know, are not, um, are not necessarily on the protocol. So we would retrieve those. You would control those through Emblema. And then in addition to all the clinical trial insights, the patient is pretty much going to submit to the life sciences the whole 360 view of his, uh, you know, medical history. So including clinical trials insights, but, you know, more importantly, all the other stuff. And I think this has a lot of value, uh, twofold. First, well, you know, the uh, pharmaceutical company would address the FDA's requirement in saying, okay, not only do we have the clinical trial results, but I'm showing the 360 view in actual real life, how this patient looks like, and it can measure more precisely the efficiency in real life of this patient. That's really first and foremost. Second, the, um, the, uh, the pharmaceutical company will have continuity to this patient. You know, one of the big problems in the pharmaceutical industry is you do a clinical trial and then, you know, you say goodbye to the patient. And, you know, like two years later, you want to, your question, you want to uh, ask a question, a follow-up question to the patient, which could be game-changing, you know. 
well, sometimes you don't, uh, you know, <laughs> access the patient anymore. In our case, the patient will still be connected to emblema and continue to enrich the insights in real life. And if you want to ask new questions in two years, like a patient reported outcomes, you have the ability to continue to reach him. And I think the continuity of data is something that's terribly lacking today, you know, um, in terms of real world evidence or clinical trial insights, by the way, any kind of patient data. So that's very, very important. And ultimately, what we want to do is that with this very, very good quality and continuous, uh, you know, 360 view of the patient, the FDA is able to measure, right, the efficiency and the safety uh, much quicker, so the benefits and the risk, and therefore authorize, you know, the new treatments much sooner. So it's a benefit, of course, for pharma companies in terms of revenue generating. It's a benefit for the patient of having, you know, broadly speaking, a new treatment, so not only clinical trial patients. And, of course, it's a benefit in the public health for FDA as part of this 21st century career act, which asks them to, you know, encourage new innovative treatments, uh, you know, sooner. This is all really amazing work, uh, Robert, and what you guys are doing at, at Emblema. And, and, and two questions come off just off the top of my mind. Um, the more um, specific question uh, or tactical question is this. You know, it's amazing that you, through your solution, you can get these 360-degree profiles for patients. Uh, and, of course, ultimately, any, I cannot think of any healthcare organization who would not want to have access to that. But to a large extent, that still relies on, on manual inputs from patients. And, and, and ultimately, patients and users, they're notorious for being like horrible at capturing and, and sharing information. Uh, you did mention mm-hmm. one thing earlier that I want to touch on, which is uh, your vision is that it's not just about the Emblema platform or mobile application. It's also about uh, IoT, right, and device data. So... Can you talk a little bit more about that, like what type of integrations you currently have in place? Like, you know, the big system is, of course, be Apple Watch and Fitbit, uh, but I want to hear more about how you can capture automated data from patients. Right, right. Yes, IoT or connected devices actually become very interesting sources of device. So uh, so we do have Fitbit, you know, in our version one currently in production. We're working on Apple Watch, you know, on different uh, data types. And then it's pretty much uh, going to be disease by disease, right? Uh, so, for example, in cystic fibrosis, we'll connect the spirometers, right, so that we have, like, a weekly, you know, pulmonary functional test results as opposed to every month, right? So better granularity. And then if you do, like, um, you know, epilepsy, then uh, probably you will need some kind of, uh, of, uh, of uh, you know, connected devices which shows the balance, you know, the, the walking patterns, you know, of the, of the patient uh, sleep, you know, data. Uh, so that's also something we're going to connect uh, actually in France as a pilot. And uh, depending on the disease, right, these, uh, these data gives really, really good indications on the, on the true states, right, true outcome, right, of the treatment. So you're absolutely right. This is a very important component that uh, we're building in our systems right now. Yeah, and it's, it's of course, an ever-evolving uh, system, right? Um, right? Actually, the most exciting project that uh, we worked uh, on in recent times, it's uh, coming from Omron Hard Guide. So Omron, mm-hmm. uh, which just won the, the best award at CES for the most interconnected uh, digital experience, uh, next month they're launching a new smartwatch that has an inflator on the cuff. 
uh, and users will be able to take their blood pressure both manually throughout the day but also automatically during the night. And I'm just thinking of the wealth of information a uh, a smartwatch like Omron can actually connect and how that could, of course, through platforms like Emblema, uh, make their way into clinical trials. It'd be uh, really like life-changing uh, for bo- both for patients, but also for researchers in the life science uh, industry. Um, and it, it's really, really uh, amazing. Now, the other question I have is, is this, um, clinical trials, Right, you come up with a cohort of people and you're taking them mm-hmm. through the process. And of course, the biggest nightmare for any operator of a clinical trial is non-compliance and people being, you know, disqualified from a clinical right. trial. But on the other side, it's also not being able to carry out that clinical trial at all if too many people right. are coming out of the I'm trial. So they're dropping off. So my question is like, you know, I'm playing the devil's advocate. You know, for me, as an outsider of the clinical trial industry, what you guys are doing is phenomenal. But would if I'm within that ecosystem, I could be one of these uh, pharma, uh, pharma companies who say, I do not want to engage with Emblema because what if that's going to lead to even more people being dropped out of my trial? Uh, so uh, I don't know if in talking to any life science organizations you've encountered this, but I kind of fear sure. based on how clinical trials are run, whether it would actually deter people from using your platform because they do not know the output that would come out of the, right. the collection and sharing of data. Yeah, actually, actually, it should be the opposite. So you know, it's it's um, this clinical trial thing is actually very very funny um, because you know when the when the the, the pharma company the sponsor starts clinical trial, they don't know where the patients are, <laughs> right? And uh, this will right, discover right. okay, which are the best care centers and the best investigators, you know, on uh, on the previous trials, and it's it's a very probabilistic, you know, data science way of doing it. And you're right, sometimes. And you just end up not having enough patients, and they find out like one year later, which is a disaster, right? In our case, it's a deterministic, you know, when you talk about data science kind of, you know, uh, lingo, in the sense we constitute the courts beforehand. Okay, imagine epilepsy. There's like, you know, uh, I think 1.8 million of these guys, you know, in the United States. So let's put, you know, as many as those guys in there, right? And it gives incentives. We can discuss this, uh, how we imagine this. And then it actually augments the probability of the pharma company to find the right patients, including criteria, including criteria, et cetera, right? Uh, because they know where the patients are. And I think one of the main applications actually from the pharma's we're talking to, and we signed up to, you know, as you may know in our, in our, in our system, is discovery of patients. It's a huge, huge cost today and a huge uncertainty. And I think we, by exposing metadata on these patients, which are right in the system, that it gives them comfort, okay, I think we can find our 200 patients, whatever the numbers should be, and uh, let's go for it. And we know who they are, basically. Well, at least we know where they are, so we can find them. So uh, so I think it's a huge benefit in terms of patient discovery for clinical trials. It kind of hits right home to um, an argument that we've made in the past, and, and ultimately the argument that many blockchain enthusiasts make, which is the second you adopt a blockchain technology, you're uh, likely going to remove the middleman, right? So when it comes right. down to uh, 
to trial data, the middleman is uh, all of the companies that are uh, charging to find the right people for this trial. Exactly. Uh, that are exactly. kind of in between you and the patient. So exactly. I can see how Emblema can, can, of course, lead to uh, better revenue management, but also uh, getting to patients quicker and, and more, exactly. uh, more efficiently. Yes, uh, exactly. Is, when you think, yeah, sorry. No, no I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, foreign companies are paying literally tens of millions of dollars per clinical trial just finding where the patients are. When you think about it, it's crazy because the data is here. You know, they know what they're looking for <laughs> and, and translating into data, you know, like this kind of prescription, this kind of disease, this kind of state, you know, it's, it's somewhere, right? And, uh, and because it's not easily available, that's why they're paying people to basically find this data and find those patients. But you, you don't need people to do this. Technology should be able to solve this. What's important in the clinical trial, of course, is the role of the investigator, the doctor, right? The scientific committee. Yeah. These are super important people, you know, to, to you know, to kind of define the science on which they want to measure the outcomes. Uh, but other than that, all the other stuff could be automated through technologies. That's precisely what we're trying to do here. Which is, you know, exceptional. You know, if I'm, you know, putting myself in the shoes of the, the pharma companies trying to find the right patient, uh, ultimately, a solution like Emblema, and, and of course, I'm sure you know, uh, for Medica, which would be probably consider one of your competitors, this type of blockchain-based solutions that uh, help with uh, ultimately uh, finding the right patients, they're, they're really like, you know, mind-blowing for the industry that, uh, that we're in. Um, now, you know, of course, we talked about blockchain as, as being a, uh, one way of removing the, the middleman, but uh, actually just last week I was, I was talking to, to the CEO of another blockchain-based company, and what's super interesting to me is, and they're doing something phenomenal also, in my opinion, uh, which is they've built a blockchain platform to track the delivery of drugs from a right. pharma company all the Very way to the pharmacy, and to provide those insights into how drugs are making it from Pfizer and an EpiPen all the way to Walgreens uh, in a way that can not just help with the visibility into the drugs and hopefully with the uh, opioid crisis, among other things. But it would also help, um, uh, you know, this company, it will help, let's say, Pfizer or Novartis with um, uh, ultimately producing more drugs at the right time based on demand. But what is so interesting to me is that if you look at this company's website, it does not mention blockchain. And I asked him this flat out. It's like you're talking about a decentralized um, uh, ledger, like this is blockchain. Why aren't you not talking about it as blockchain? And, and he said, you know, a lot of pharma companies and healthcare, they don't want to hear about blockchain, so we've moved away from the messaging. So, which takes <laughs> me, you know, to the next point, which is, you know, Emblema is all about blockchain, right? If you look at the press coverage, everybody's excited about blockchain versus this other company who says, I'm getting out of the blockchain lingo because of what I'm seeing. So, what are you seeing when you're dealing with, uh, with pharma companies? Well, you know, so, so we signed up to, um, you know, and we announced them uh, to, uh, to mid-sized pharmas. Um, and uh, I think, um, so they definitely get the valid proposition, as we just discussed, you know, accelerate insights and, uh, you know, get the, the patient in the center of all this. So they, they like it. And that's precisely the business reason, right? They signed up with us. And, uh, and of course, you know, when you sign up those big organizations, enterprise organizations, you have to do like a due diligence. 
So you get in front of the CIO, you know, for IT considerations, you get in front of the CFO, uh, you know, if you do like tokens, you know, what is this? And you get in front, of course, of the R&D people, the RWE or whatever those people and so on. So as, as pertaining to blockchain, I think the most interesting <laughs> discussions uh, you have are with the IT side, which is, uh, you know, this is decentralized. This is an open blockchain. That means that, uh, you know, uh, somebody can basically hack into all my IT systems. Because one thing I forgot to tell you, um, when we signed those contracts with Pharmas, we acquired them to add nodes to our blockchain, right? So they add resources, and therefore it becomes part of their IT systems you want. And I think you have to reassure them in terms of, look, this is permission. Um, we actually, you know, did was one of the Pharmas who installed a node, they synchronized it, they liked it, right? And you just have to be very educational, show them, you know, how it works, help them install a new node. You know, they look at the uh, stats and, you know, <laughs> the traffic between the nodes. And they say, well, look, it's, uh, it's an IT component like any other else. It's you and we're learning. It's fine. But you do have to spend a lot of time educating them and really hand-holding. Uh, so that's one important discussion. The other important discussion you need to have, uh, especially in our case, we want to incentivize patients because it's, it's work. You know, I think you touched on it when we're asking patients to, you know, even this is a simple fire, you know, uh, authorization. Well, it's the only to do it. The patient has to be active in gathering the data. And therefore, that deserves compensation which we uh, would intend to do in tokens, um, and therefore, you know, pharma companies will have to buy tokens, you know, to pay patients and things like that. Uh, so you get in front of, uh, you know, CFO-like people. So what is this, the nature of this, this token? Is it a currency and uh, how do you exchange it? Uh, what is the tax treatment, you know? And you have to go through these discussions. Otherwise, you know, they will not sign up. And I think it's very good because it's in going to details. And sometimes, of course, we don't have answers. So we have to, you know, to come back and work with them collaboratively. And I think this is really the, the process that, uh, you know, where we're going through pharmas, but, uh, you know, other stakeholders to make sure that people understand exactly what it is. And then if there's, of course, open switches because it's so new, then we have to work together uh, in a consortium matter to uh, to find some uh, some forward responses. Um, but I think the the point here is that, if you show exactly what you're doing and you educate and, um, and uh, you know, handhold, uh, you know, I think it, it works, you know, like in any new technology adoption. So, so you touched uh, briefly on exactly what I wanted to, to talk about next, which is uh, the ownership of health data. Uh, and, 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 of course, you know, on your website, you, you have a very, like, inspirational way of, of addressing the data, uh, the health data, when talking to, to consumers, right? You say your health data, your property. Hospitals or pharmacies monetize their health data to pharmaceutical insurance companies for marketing uh, studies, um, which is, of course, the the truth, and and you you also have this is really interesting example of you know Harrietta Lacks who was admitted at Job Hopkins for cervical cancer, uh, and how important her cells were, even if she died poor at the end. Right. Uh, so so maybe we talk a little bit about this uh, because, of course, from a consumer point of view. The, the the number one question you know I would I would have is you know how much is my health data worth right and what can I you know how do I monetize it? Sure, sure. I, I think you have some 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 good benchmarks you know because as you know this is uh, you know well like we talking about clinical research you know and clinical trials I mean the outcome is really set of the data set right and if you divide it you know, by the number of patients right and the cost it's a huge number. 
But if we're being uh, more, I would say, in uh, kind of real life, um, uh, you do have some good benchmarks like in Ecology. There was a company called Flat Iron, you know, which got sold to Roche for $1.9 billion last year. And you get examples in rare diseases like cystic fibrosis, right? And pretty much, you know, in, uh, in those particular diseases which are complex disease, you know, target therapies, you need genomics, so some pretty rich, you know, 360 data sets. And, um, and, uh, and uh, you know, complex treatment regimen, uh, the cost, of, well, the price at least, right, we think that the patient can get for the data, that'd be something like $10,000, right? So it's a significant amount, right? Um, and then, of course, Absolutely. if you go into more, into more uh, you know, mature diseases like uh, hypotension, where there's a lot of generics, obviously, you know, um, uh, you know, the cost of the data here would be like much, much less, right? So the, the monetary compensation will not be the driver in that case for the patient, right, necessarily, because, you know, it's just too low, right? Uh, in that case, you know, it's more about giving patients feedbacks on information, right? Where does he sit within the community versus the disease? Uh, and you know, typically analytics that we will run on the data. So these are the two uh, drivers, if you want, that when we survey patient communities, you know, that uh, would, would interest them. And then if you go into rare diseases, um, uh, clearly here the motivation is not necessarily monetary, you know, and not necessarily information feedback. It's really um, like a donation, right? We know that, uh, you know, we won't find any cures because there's like two little research, but we want to get things started. And uh, let's just constitute a nice patient cohort, you know, with Emblema, and we'll donate our data, do the work for free, pretty much so. And uh, hopefully, you know, this will get, uh, you know, research interested and finally start investing and, and kind of, you know, start the whole uh, whole virtual cycle. So this is really more like a donation kind of driver, right, that uh, these, these people. So these are the three things we're seeing right now in patient communities. Um. Yeah, I mean, $10,000, just thinking of people who, uh, because of their disease, they cannot even work. That's, of course, you know, a lot of money. Exactly. Uh, but to your exactly. point, it really depends on the specific condition. Uh, and as you know, you know, especially the, the more um, scarce the data, the more likely for a big pharma company to, to pay more. You know, that's something we, uh, we used to see. And is that just... Uh, the, the you know the, the pharma companies like also when you have the specific drug for a condition it costs a lot more to market it so right. it, it makes sense that you have that uh, normal distribution of cost and uh, compensation based on right. what the market can bear exactly um, so my next question is I think you know I love your solution and I love what you're doing but also you know at least conceptually, I feel like you're in kind of a tough spot, right? Because you have two audiences, you know, you, you talk to pharma, uh, which of course it's a big driver for monetization of the platform. And then you, you talk towards the consumers, right? So right. there's two right. competing kind of competing messages, right? Cause you're, you, when you're telling consumers, like you're not making any money out of your data, uh, it right. kind of puts you at odds with the other audience, which is like, you know, the big pharma, the, the people who have, the money. So uh, right. I'm just, you know, curious, like, have you seen any, you know, backlash has, for lack of a better term, has anybody kind of called you out? Like, Hey, you keep talking to the customer, but now you're coming and trying to work with me. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, economically what we're trying to do is a marketplace, right? So you have the supply side, which is the consumer, right. And, 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 and care centers, you know, so people have the data basically, right. 
and then you have the buy side, which is farmers. And uh, and as any marketplace, it's like a chicken and egg thing, right? <laughs> so if you uh, if you bring the uh, the buyer first, but you don't have any supply, so the shelf is empty, you know, the buyer will not come back to your store, right? And then if you uh, talk to the the, the sell side, right, uh, supply, so yeah, let, let's put stuff on the shelf, but you don't have a buyer, so why bother, right? <laughs> it's never going to be bought, right? Uh, yeah, so the right. way we see it is that uh, we want to do validation, right, um, on each end of the of the marketplace, and we want to do it disease by disease. I think that's important. So it, it's going to be very hard, to your point, to do the whole thing with all diseases in all countries at once. It's just too big, right? Just, uh, you know, it's just we can't get uh, our heads around. It's just too big. So we're going to choose a particular disease, a particular country, and uh, what we have to do with uh, on the supply side, we want to validate some assumptions. And we have like six agreements in place for different data sources and different channels to access the data. So let me give you an example. Uh, first um, agreement is on the rare disease, and it's going to be like direct patient input on you know our system. Okay, so what's the compensation, and uh, you know are you going to do this every day, and what type of data do you access, what the data, which data is going to come from fire, you know, from care center, and so on. So that's one. That's one test. The second test we're doing um, is actually in France. Um, it potentially could scale to 9,000 pharmacies and 30 million patients in France. It's done with one of our strategic investors, which is the leading software vendor you know, for pharmacies in France. And here, the pilot is to uh, have pharmacies enroll the patient on the marketplace. So we're, we're running epilepsy, actually, as the first cohort. So when the pharmacy system, right, the, the software sees that this patient is under this medication for epilepsy, there's a pop-up, and the pharmacy is going to see the patient, oh, by the way, are you interested in joining Emblema? This is for research purposes, and you're going to have compensation, and if the patient consents, of course, right, uh, we upload the Rx, you know, history, and then the, the pharmacist can ask some questions, you know, what's your last crisis, are you observe it, and things like that, so it's like, you know, medical records kind of thing. And that's another channel, right, to access the patient and want to test the price points, want to test the speed of which is being done, right, uh, the motivation and including, you know, rates, you know, for patients and pharmacists. That's uh, use case number two. Use case number three, uh, we're doing this with a leading cancer research center in Europe called Gustav Ossi. And uh, this is, of course, very specialized, you know, uh, rare cancer, late stage cancer data, but it's, it's also valuable. And here, it would be much more, you know, the uh, directly the care center would expose the data for pharmacy com- from pharmaceutical companies, I'm sorry, with patient consent but on very, very specific questions. So the patients here, in terms of engagement, will not so much be involved other than giving the consent, being informed of where it is going. But it's going to be a much more scientific discussion directly, you know, from the uh, caregivers and we still will see in the, uh, in the uh, supply side and the pharmaceutical companies. And then we have three others, I won't go into details, but this is typically how we want to test, you know, the supply side channel, right? Making sure we can supply. And once we supply, then of course, you know, we have pharmaceutical companies, which, you know, we know pretty well, and saying, look, here's the core, here's how it looks like, so what do you think? Is this faster as we think? Is this more comprehensive as we think? Uh, do we have the continuity of the data? Meaning the patient will feel on data, you know, in the future and you don't lose them? Is this true or not? And uh, once we validate this, you know, these different use cases and different diseases, we believe we have grounds to roll scale it. So that's how precisely we're working it. Today we're talking to Robert Chu, uh, CEO of Emblema, blockchain-based healthcare startup. 
which is on a mission to democratize health data and helping pharma companies with the management and delivery of drug trials. Um, Robert, we've talked, you know, so much about, of course, Emblema, what it does, and, and, and the investments uh, that you've gotten from from various companies. But what we haven't mentioned, which is really remarkable, is that you've started this company only in 2017. Um, and to, to right. get in, you know, only two years to where you are, it's amazing. And then, uh, you know, recently on Hawker Weekly, we, we covered uh, the fact that you closed 3.7 million Series A funding. To, to accelerate uh, the joint development of, of uh, other blockchain-based applications for both patients and pharmacies. Uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, this round of funding and, and how you plan on, on utilizing the almost $4 million to, to improve the Emblema platform over the next year. Sure. Yeah. No. No. I think. Yeah, I think the. The. Well. Obviously, the funding was necessary. You know, for us to um, to start scaling the business, and uh, and we got the funding uh, on the grounds that uh, we released. Uh, you know, version one uh, production level public. You know, release uh, back in July. Uh, we did announce those two contracts with two pharmaceutical companies um, and some other contracts and through data sources. So I think we had enough evidence that uh, you know uh, the industry was starting to buy in. It was a real product. I think that's super important, right? When we want to go for Series A, and therefore we have uh, you know enough capital to fully develop uh, this marketplace, and we're doing validation right now, right? For use case for disease, and and once we have uh, you know this um, uh, this fully fledged version two, right, uh, marketplace with uh, hopefully more contracts, you know, with big pharma's and uh, you know data sources, I think uh, you know we'll be in good shape to uh, to go for another. You know, around uh, probably at the end of this year to uh, you know to do more diseases basically, right? And uh, and uh, help out uh, to scale the system in terms of number of patients, number of diseases, data types. So I think uh, we have our roadmap pretty uh, pretty clear cut, right? <laughs> it's all about execution. Yeah, now. Of yeah, and then at the same time that you got the new round of funding, uh, my understanding is that uh, TechStars was part. Uh, of the team right. leading the funding round, and that you also join the the Techstars Alchemist Blockchain Accelerator Program, um, right. which is not something that's very well known. So uh, I would love if you could comment on, uh, you know, what are you getting out of being part of this accelerated uh, accelerator program, and how do you think it's going to help Emblema with its uh, business and digital objectives? Sure. Yes. Uh, well, first of all, we're very honored you know, to be part of this uh, this uh, selection of uh, TechStars Alchemist, and um, it was the, it was the perfect program for us. Uh, well, first of all, you know, TechStars it's as you know, like Y Combinator in the U.S., the two uh, most renowned um, you know accelerators for tech, right in general, not only health tech. And I think in terms of uh, reputation, in terms of access to uh, more capital, you know, especially on the U.S. marketplace, it, it's, it's super good. Um, but then the alchemist side, it's blockchain. For the first time, tech stars into going to blockchain startups, which we are, you know. And I think uh, the value we're seeing here is uh, getting connected in all the uh, the blockchain community, um, and specifically, you know, from the token perspective. You know, one of the problems this uh, industry has suffered is all this ICO business going on, you know, which a lot of them are, of course, are scams, right? So people are raising money very easily in 2017, getting 10, 20, 30 million. And after one year, 18 months, two years, no product, no nothing, right? And it, this had a disastrous effect on the repetition of blockchain in general. Blockchain is a great technology, but 
when you do these ICO things, which you know, actually have nothing to do with blockchain, to be honest, it's just very bad, right? And I think the great thing about Alchemist, these are serious people. And, um, and uh, with them, right, uh, I think what we want to do is restore some of the reputation in terms of funding, you know, uh, on blockchain st- uh, startups and doing it the right way, um, you know, uh, complying with all the laws and especially doing this in a way where you really want to build a business, right? Um, so I think uh, the value we're going to get out of Alchemist is to learn this, is to help them, you know, uh, reestablish this reputation of blockchain funding, if you want, uh, ICOs or STOs, security token offerings. And I think it's a two-way street. We're going to learn a lot and at the same time try to bring our contribution to healthcare, right? So that's that's the reason we, uh, you know, we gladly joined this program. Yeah, and I mean, you touched on a very important thing, which kind of to broaden it up a little bit, uh, emerging technologies often get a beating when they start being implemented um, for a variety of reasons. One, in your example, is like you get all these blockchain-based applications, they get all this money and then they go bankrupt, you know, it's a bust. Right. Um, the, the, the other one that's, you know, super famous in the emerging technology space is the idea of a chatbot, right? And then how they've been implemented very poorly and then led to this assumption right. that chatbots are stupid. I mean, ultimately, chatbots aren't stupid. They're just only as smart as the people who put them in place, right? Same with blockchain. You know, you have had a, a long career in this space. You're just leveraging a technology, but you're bringing to the table all of your knowledge and the partnerships and the mentorships that you have in order to make it successful. But it doesn't make it any easier, right? Given the, the fact that there's ultimately uh, this negative connotation when it comes down to blockchain in particular, and especially in healthcare where uh, many CTOs uh, may think wrongly, I would like to add that it's just a fad, right? It's like, it's just a new thing and it's just going to blow over. Uh, but the reality is, like we were talking before the podcast, um, the reality is that, uh, you know, blockchain is just a technology. It's just something that we both think is going to become not just mainstream, but nobody's going to talk about blockchain in the future. It's just going to be an embedded part of everyday tech stack across hospitals and healthcare providers all over the world. Oh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I think, you know, the, you mentioned a very compelling use case, which is traceability of drugs in a supply chain. I mean, blockchain is a fantastic technology to do this, right? Tamper-proof, it's shared, so everybody knows, you know, where the drug uh, you know, is. And I think the use case we're, we're using uh, blockchain for, which is really, you know, having the data provenance for data exchanges for clinical insights, I think it's great. Right, it's tamper-proof. Uh, you can comply with CFR 21.11, and FDA actually is looking at this, as you know, right, uh, as a technology. So it's definitely here to stay. I think we have to be educational, you know, to these CTOs who don't necessarily understand this today. And you're right; it's only a tool. It's a great tool, but it's only a tool if you don't have the business case and uh, you know the the marketplace in our case in terms of supply and demand. Then you know, <laughs> whether it's blocks or not, is not just not going to work. So you definitely have to lead, you know, on the business side, uh, doing something meaningful. So we think it's going to accelerate new drugs releases. So that's that's the mission, and and then convincing, you know, as you say, relationships, uh, partnerships, uh, the ecosystem. And it just happens we use blockchain. I think you have exactly the right uh, approach. 
Thank you so much. The discussion has been amazing uh, and very revealing, and I do hope that uh, it will, uh, the story will be seen by many people and the podcast will be listened uh, as well. Uh, what I what I like to to do before we end is uh, just just think about the future of healthcare and healthcare delivery in the United States. As we all know, healthcare is the largest private employer in America. And of course, one of the biggest costs as well. I think recent numbers put it at like 20% of our GDP goes on, on healthcare. So if you were to just, you know, think visionarily and, you know, think about 10 years from now, like what, what do you think are like some of the most um, new but also unexpected things that we will see when it comes down to the everyday delivery of healthcare in the country? Well, I think uh, I think you have a great point. I think there's more than enough money uh, so that everybody can get uh, the best treatments. You know, the 300 million Americans and and you know and people on the American soil. The problem is the efficiency of the system, and the problem is you have too many people doing uh, not so useful things. I mean, definitely not uh, things that impact the, the patient's health. So we talked about data collection. You know, manual data collection, clinical trials, just one example. Uh, claims management, where you have people calling each other, you know, to uh, check the patient's credentials, right, <laughs> or the doctor's credential. Uh, this is ridiculous. I think we need to use technology to automate this. And I think we just discussed blockchain and data exchanges case. And I think we need to apply the same workforce, the same cost for direct patient care. So we need doctors to take care of the patients, not input data in the MR, not, uh, you know, sign uh, consent forms or <laughs> or uh, ECRS or, or, or name it. And I think that's the challenge. And I think that what I would like to see in the next 10 years is doctors doing the doctor job, which is treating patients. And uh, and I think, uh, you know, everybody will be better off from, uh, from a health standpoint. Well, I'm uh, Kajan Arsene, uh, CEO of Digital Authority Partners and Healthcare Weekly. Digital Authority Partners helps healthcare enterprises prepare for and embrace digital transformation in the 21st century. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or check us out on healthcareweekly.com. Robert, thank you so much for this interview today and best of luck with Emblema in the years to come. Uh, Coach, it's been a great pleasure and thanks so much for having me again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Healthcare Weekly Podcast. Don't forget to visit us at healthcareweekly.com. Subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast app to get a notification every time a new episode is released. Do you know of an inspirational health leader who should be on our podcast? Email us at hello at healthcareweekly.com with details. Healthcare Weekly Podcast. Healthcare innovation starts here.